What's up, everybody? Welcome to the I Needed That Podcast. I am Chris Powell. And I'm Matthew Blade. So glad you're here. Uh, before we get to today's podcast, if you'll give us just a minute, I think everybody understands the fact that we are trying to put on a product here that we can sustain for a long time. And to do that, we're going to need to bring partners to the table. And we're really excited about some of our newest partnerships. And if you'll give us a minute, we just want to talk to you about a couple of them. Absolutely. So the first one would be NeuroGum. Have you, have you heard about NeuroGum? I have. I actually bought a pack of this gum at a Sprouts one time. How were you introduced to it? So a couple months ago, JB, who's our project manager on our app, is like, dude, I've got the best gum in the world. You're going to freak out. He gave me a sample. I loved it. Um, and, and he, it's the funniest thing is like, not only does it make you feel great, increase your focus, but the flavor of it. I don't know how you guys did it, but you did it. And it's so good. It lasts forever. They have gone through a lot of formulations and processes and tests to make sure that each piece of gum and mint delivers the promise of getting you in the right state of mind. And so here's the thing. Go to the sponsor link, which we've set up for you at trynerogum.com slash I needed that. That's T-R-Y-N-E-U-R-O-G-U com slash I needed that to enjoy energy, calm, and focus whenever you need it. Try the gum, try the mints. You're going to love them both. Let's talk about BetterHelp. For so many people, it's an incredible service and it's needed now more than ever. Amen to that. For sure. And what's so great about BetterHelp is it's the world's largest therapy service. It's all online, 100% online. So to get started, all you do is you answer a couple of questions about your needs, your preferences in therapy, and then you're off and you're scheduling uh, with somebody that is going to be able to talk to you. Now, what I love about BetterHelp is say you don't connect with somebody right away. There's, there's people waiting in the wings. Like, you can change therapists. That's no big deal. That's what I love about it, too. They'll actually match you up with someone who has uh, commonalities and has shared experiences. And so they can really connect with you because it's like, oh, yeah, well, I've been through that, too. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to save you a little bit of money. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash I Needed That. That's BetterHelp h-e-l-p.com slash I needed that and just so you know we're going to throw all of this stuff in the show notes too because we really want you to take advantage of it there is literally nothing better than talking to a therapist and picking up some tools to make your life more meaningful and what I want to say to people is, is so many times we think about therapy and we think oh I'm broken there's something wrong with me there's almost nothing wrong with you you're not broken you just no. need a couple of tools and tricks and strategies and something like to kind of set you up and get you to the next place right that's, that's it just like we need exercise for our physical health therapy is there for our mental health and you can't you can't have one without the other it's a holistic approach and i can't i cannot stress it strongly enough yeah so go ahead and take a look in the show notes get a link to NeuroGum. get a link to better help uh really quickly move one million this campaign is growing exponentially man it's in schools it's in churches it's in assisted living homes um talk to me about the latest edition of move one million who's just come to the party and why oh gosh well we're actually in the in the process of, of making a curriculum for the national academy of sports medicine for the american council on exercise and so yes all, all the trainers out there across the world certified trainers can actually take a course to get continued education credits to learn about move one million and to bring it to their communities so guys it's, it's just so much fun i love it so much because you do uh, and it's it's and the best part it's free for everybody it takes it's less than five minutes a day you move for two and a half minutes you be mindful for two minutes with people across the world you know you, if you plug it into your everyday jam and into your everyday routine 
it can only benefit you. It's movement and mindfulness, and we do it all together. It's, the app it's beautiful. It's totally free. Wherever you download apps, look for Move, the number one million, right? And you can get it there. You can go to also go to Move or M1M.org. That's it. M1M.org. Okay. Yep. And Super f- easy. Finally, uh, the last thing we'd love to tell you about is uh, I'm, I'm out there doing motivational speaking, and uh, I've just created a new curriculum for burnout. So while you're working on movement, I'm working on one of the biggest buzzwords out there right now. Teachers, nurses, uh, it doesn't matter what profession, almost everybody, including myself, once upon a time experienced burnout. What is it? What are the signs? What contributes to it? How can you move yourself out of it? How do we help you develop a self-care strategy? These are the workshops that I love putting on for all people all over the world, people all over the Phoenix area, and I would love a chance to come in and talk to your group and help you better understand burnout so you can, because you're never going to like fully avoid it but boy you could diminish it significantly oh absolutely but i mean on top of that i'm just going to brag on you for a couple seconds here because i've seen clips of your presentations and man you get the crowd going it is it's awesome to see the interaction that you have with them and the connection and when i say going it's not like a big hoorah thing you're genuinely connecting with them and you're getting real and raw and and uh, but and again just you can see the magic that's happening there and the, and the fact that you're you're in there and you're changing their lives and you're giving them some real gold nuggets that they can take with them so Keep keep doing what you're doing. This is what you're. This is where you're supposed to be right now. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Neurogum better help move one million. Uh, learn from people who lived it. Com is how you connect with me. That's it. That's all we got for you today. You ready to get into the podcast? Let's go, buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to our I Needed That Podcast. The Whistler to my right is Chris Powell. How are you, buddy? I'm good, my friend. How are you doing? (laughs) Feeling good, man. We are uh, coming off our rugged maniac. We had our big mutter race this past weekend, and people saw the photos of uh, on your Instagram, on my Instagram, all that. So it was a lot of fun, bro. And if you didn't see the photos, Matthew will be sure to tell you that he actually did the Rugged Maniac, and he's been wearing the medal for how many days now? Uh, it's been three days straight. I still have mud on the back of it that I refuse <laughs> to wipe off and it, because I, I'm a proud finisher. I finished. When you become a seasoned mud, rud- or mud runner, you realize that you only wear the medal for a single day, and then after that, it goes Not on me. a wall. What I didn't realize about this cool metal is that it spins. Did you know that? Oh, oh, that is cool. And it shows you all the obstacles that you go oh, through. Oh, that's fun. See, don't you wish you were wearing yours right now, too? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll go pull it out. <laughs> I'll go pull it out you of the chest. You probably 10,000 of these, don't you? I do have a chest of them, yes. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah, as soon as, as soon as I came home, I rinsed it off and it threw it in the chest. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I haven't taken mine off since. <laughs> I was uh, having sex with my wife last night, and she was like, can you just take the medal off, please? She's like, it's, She's like, it's hit, hitting me hit in the, the face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Don't take it off. Don't I'm take it off. Kidding. Keep I, it on. I held on my teeth while I was doing it. So yeah, there, there you go. Oh, my God. Uh, we got a great podcast coming up today. Dude yes. named Greg Champion is going to be on our show. And, boy, <sighs> when you talk about a dude with a story, this dude's got a story, all caps. Oh, man. And I was hanging on every word because, that guy has been through quite the ride in his life. And uh, I mean, it's, I don't know about you. I remember as he was talking, glancing over at you a couple of times thinking, did you just hear that? Like, yeah. did he just say this? He oh did. my gosh. Yeah. But, but really, really relatable stuff though, because he's been through quite the journey of addiction. What I love is his stance on recovery as a parent, mm. right? Like 
all too often we hear about this without having any kid or connection in life and people just going through addiction by themselves. But how do you recover as a parent? Well, that's, and you know what? I knew, I do know a lot of parents who have been through their struggles with addiction and who are going through those struggles and they need to hear this conversation. Good. Well, yes. it'll be on today's podcast. We cannot mm. wait for it. Um, a few things on the docket. I want to talk about the tooth fairy. Uh, yeah. I stumbled on this great article that talked about that was 20 years ago. That was the title of the article. That was 20 years ago. And when I opened this thing up, bro, I could not believe that things like this were 20 years ago. Like I couldn't believe that Wicked made its debut on Broadway 20 years ago. Wow. I couldn't believe Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris, Mar uh, Chris Martin got married in a secret <laughs> okay, little thing, yes. right? 20 years ago. A lot happened. A lot, a lot has happened in 20 years. That's for sure. Madonna, Britney Spears shared that kiss on the opening of the VMAs. Oh my god! 20 years ago. Yes. That's right. Beyonce, Jay-Z had number one song on the radio in the summer called Crazy in Love 20 years ago. Yes. And how many more, how many more hits have they had since? Oh, my God. Tons, I mean, right? Yeah. But here's the one that kind of really floored me. Finding Nemo, mm. 20 years old. Wow. That is wild. Just keep swimming. Yep. Oh, that was such a good show. Such oh, man, a good movie. Such a great movie. I, I call it a show, but yeah, that's such a good movie. It was it's, like it's not a show. It's a movie. entertainment wrapped up uh, in life lessons. Yes, it was so good. No doubt, Sting and Shania Twain headlined the Super Bowl halftime show. Wow, that's so cool. I, I should have talked to her about that the other day when when I met her at, at the, the. I know, Kelly but you weren't show. thinking. You got no. you got all worked up. I, She's I, beautiful. I you did your tongue you know got tied. She is. Stunning. I know. I mean, it's and great how, scare. She just drank a lot of water, bro. Yeah. How old is she now? She's 620. Yeah, and she exactly just looks right. no, no, no. She's probably got to be in her, I would think her mid 50s. Yes. Yeah. She's got to be, I mean, and incredibly fit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, she's a tiny, tiny person, yes. isn't she? Yeah. She's she not even five feet tall, I don't Oh, think. no, no, she is. She is. Oh. I, and, and here's the thing I'm, I'm a tiny person myself. I'm not You're too not, tall. Man. Five, eight and a half. And uh, she, I, I, she did have some heels on, but I, when I hugged her, um, I, I'm going to guess she was maybe five, four, five, five. Yeah. Yeah. But still incredibly fit. I was blown away. In fact, like, <laughs> I, the, the, the moment that, that I gave, actually gave her a hug. I pointed to her biceps and I'm like, you are an inspiration for me. And she was the sweetest lady ever. So, and she was yeah. like looking at you going, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. hang on just a little longer no, with this guy. I think she was like, don't touch my biceps. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really? No, I no, know. She, okay. she, I was, she was like, wonderful. On, yeah. yeah, she would be super chill. So anyways, yeah, the crazy list of things that were actually 20 years ago. Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, 20 years ago. Wow. That was the first one. Yes. The Black Pearl was the first one. It's 20 years I'm so far, dude, I'm so far behind. Ruby and I literally just watched all of the, that whole series for the first time. Really? Couple, yes. But I remember when it was in theaters and it was such a huge deal. I remember being flown out to Universal Studios in California for the premiere of Pirates of the Caribbean. And Johnny Depp and the entire cast came in on the ship. Wow. They all got off. They did the radio round. So we all got to interview every, the entire cast. Yes. And sitting there with Johnny Depp talking to this guy in character. Remember, that, he was in character. Yes, that was my next question. Was he in character for it? And it was like the most unbelievable, surreal experience. Because, you know, there are famous people. And then there are like yeah, famous yeah. people yeah. who everybody knows. And JD's one of those dudes. Yeah. yeah. Like everybody knows Johnny Depp. 
He's a superstar. Yeah, you don't have to like him, but everybody knows him. Right. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was, uh, that was badass. <laughs> That's and, awesome. And those movies were so much fun, but they were also 20 years ago. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. When it comes to music, because we talk a lot about music on this podcast, mm -hmm. where are you right now with some of your musical tastes? See, I'm stuck in the 80s, man. Well, the 80s and then the 90s, because it's, it takes me back to my high school years. I, I love some of the early 2000s stuff. Okay. I got a story for you. All right. Um, I'm trying to get up to speed with my kids. So I, went to uh, Apple Music and I, I started playing the top 40 during my workout. And that was the longest workout of my <laughs> life, dude. And every set was just excruciating and it wasn't the workout, it was the music. Is it me? I'm so sorry, but I am really struggling and I hate to become that. You're, then you're I'm, that guy. I'm that old guy now yes. who's like, these kids these days are their music and it's just so do you remember what like what 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 was the what was the music was it more like mumble rap that was pissing you off or was it like a high energy music was it pop rock like it, what was was a bubblegum pop it was a mix of all of the above and mm. it was but the sound is just it it just lacks and i i I don't mean to throw shade on, on some of these artists throw out some there, shade, man. but let me tell you, I, I hung on for about 10 songs and it was rough. Really? Yeah. I was in it for about 45 minutes or so. And it was it maybe yeah, 40, 45 minutes. And I was trying, I was legitimately trying to just hang on, like to, to find something good with a hook or with, with something unique. And there were a couple of unique songs in there. I couldn't even tell you what they are, but it was just, it was rough here. However, there was one song that my kids introduced me to. It is on the top 40 and, and it's amazing. All in right. fact, what is it? I'm not going to tell you because you have, I want to see if you know this song because that's the song that I'm going to do for name that tune. Okay. Yes. All right. We're going to get to, we'll do name that tune after we talk to Greg. Yes, okay. yes, yes, exactly. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to it today. Oh, buddy. I actually have, uh, I've forgotten what I put in here for you. Let me, let me, let me, let me just glance. Don't look at the screen. Oh, I have somebody that we've talked about today. Oh, who's this? I'm not gonna. Oh, oh okay, okay. This is, this is part of the team. I tell you what, though, it gave me hope in um, in songs for the future. Okay, <laughs> yes. that's good. Or at least in music. Artists I like today. a lot of the new pop rock bands that are out. Like, I'm a really big fan of. You know, I love the Killers. I love. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, obviously, still love John Mayer. I love Young the Giant. I love. Um, Way down we go, Kaleo. If you don't know Kaleo, oh, I don't know Kaleo. Awesome. There's okay. Great music out there. To your point, like it's not all not all hope is lost. Okay, good. Maybe you can open up my eyes to yeah. some of the newer stuff. And for those of you who are listening to us on the podcast right now, to, you know, either tweet out to us or tag us in an Instagram post. What's the song that we should be we should know about right now? There's got to be one track that you're like, you guys have to know about this, and we'll look at it. And then we'll decide if it's any good. Have you ever heard of the uh, Kid Leroy? Yeah, for sure. I hey, love he, the Kid Leroy. He's good, actually. Yeah, yeah. So th there is track. some decent stuff yeah. out there. So the, the now again, I'm not going to give you a, a well. This is a little hint. The song that I chose, the artist is very young, and uh, but extremely talented. But so th th don't don't even I feel think like about a little it. kid right now. I don't want to wait. Let's just do name <laughs> that tune right now. Should we jump into yes. it? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's now go. because now you got my interest peaked. Now okay. I, now okay. I want to okay. hear what's up. <laughs> This is a good sell. Oh. You've done a good job selling this. Okay, right? okay. So you're just going to give me the first second of the song. So, well, here, here's the thing. This song, it's it's very similar to Coldplay's Fix You, right? You know where it kind of starts off yeah. with a, there's a slow part and, a then slow it gets, and then it starts jamming at the end. Okay. Same thing with this one. It's too, too, 
completely different songs, but, but it starts off really slow and then it just jams at the end and you just, you feel it. So I feel like you don't, you're not showing much confidence in me, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you a lot of hints. Do you want the slow part? Cause the slow part starts out really, yeah, really I do. slow. I, do. I want the okay. very beginning of the song. We'll go very beginning, but then we might have to jam after okay. that. Okay. All right. Let's go. Okay. Hold on. Here we go. When I'm away. So I feel like it's Billie Eilish. Oh, yes. Is it? You nailed it. Yes. Okay. Good All job. Right. But I don't know the song, but I freaking love me some Billie Eilish. Too. She is so talented. Yes. Unbelievable. And, and again, the song? I was so jaded by like these songs today. The song is called Happier Than Ever. Oh, and then, yeah, and then, yeah, and then yeah. this, It starts to rock out. Oh, this part right here. Do you ever watch her documentary? No. Oh, you have to watch it. I didn't even know she had one. Yeah. All right, that's a good one. Oh. All right, here's yours. Okay. Name that tune, Chris. Oh, yeah, Brittany. Oh, baby, baby. Hit me, hit, hit me baby, one more time. One hit me, more baby, time. one more time. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, oh that was, gosh. man. Dude. That was way more than 20 years ago, for the record. That was more like, wait, what was that? that? Was that close to 30 years ago? Get out. It was the mid to late 90s. Like 95, that, 6, 7. I think that was 95 or 96, wasn't it? It's it's just, it's a, it's a, wow, it sucks. I know. <laughs> so old. It wasn't quite 30 years ago, but it was about 20. 27 years ago. Oh, my god! Unbelievable. All right, wow. listen. Uh, Greg Champion is here, and I want to get to this interview. I think that you are really going to love what we have a discussion about. And then as soon as we're wrapped up with Greg, uh, we are going to talk Tooth Fairy. And I have what our Instagram and Facebook audience thought was a genius idea for your Tooth Fairy. Now, this is, is this something that your Tooth Fairy has done in the past, or is it? We is wrote. To the National Tooth Fairy Association <laughs> for fairies. And Perfect. we said, we have an idea. And the Tooth Fairy Association loved it so much that they, our Tooth Fairy, then instituted the rule. Okay. Well, then we all want to hear this, including myself. In fact, <laughs> if, it's, if the idea is that good, I'll pass it on to my Tooth Fairy. Mm -hmm. But actually, if my, my Tooth Fairy is also part of the association, so they probably already got the memo. That's the thing. All Tooth Fairies <laughs> are privy to this information. You just have to ask for it. Got it. Okay. Because right? they won't give this to everybody. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing this. All right, let's get into this, dude. Greg Champion is his name. Uh, he is a recovery coach. He created the Recovery Playbook. He, rec uh, he started Start Up Recovery, and he's here today to talk about addiction and being an active uh, being active in recovery as a parent. Ready for this? I'm ready. Let's, Let's go. Jump in with Greg Champion right now on the I Needed That Podcast. So why don't we go ahead and bring him in right now? You ready? Yeah, let's go. Greg Champion is the guy who founded Startup Recovery. He's a recovery coach. He created something called the Recovery Playbook. All things we're here to talk about today. Greg, how are you, brother? I'm doing great, Chris and Matthew. Uh, good to see you guys. And again, I am very grateful and thankful for for this opportunity. We both uh, have gone down recovery road. Yes, uh, so I'm excited to kind of jump into this and see what your road was like. But I think we have to start at the most logical place, right? Which is you started the recovery uh, or becoming a recovery coach because you needed it first. What were you trying to recover from, Greg? You know, um, I got to say, like, so 
I, I got sober in 1994. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm in my mid-20s and, um, and really, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Greg plus drugs and alcohol equal jail. Mm. And from the time I graduated from Arizona State University at 22, I'd been to jail eight times by the time I got sober. Wow. And so that was a little too much for my reputation, my parents, my friends, and more importantly, my inner shame. I, how, how did a good kid from private school, um, college education, from a nice family get in jail eight times? And, and through a, a real miracle, I, I went to a confession. My mom told me to go to church because she was just done with me. Mm. So I went to confession and this priest told me, hey, it's real simple. Your sins don't belong here. They belong four blocks up at the Alano Club. And there happens to be an AA meeting starting at 730. Wow. And I listened to him. Really? And that was 11. And that was 11, 7, 1994. And that was my sobriety date. And, and, and it's a total God shot. And, and, and what I want to say, guys, is that, um, that there I was, you know, really the priest goes like this, take drugs and alcohol out of the equation and see what happens. And what I can say is that clarity happened for me. Yeah. Clarity that um, I no longer had to, you know, use drugs and alcohol to fill that hole. Mm. You know, part of my story is I lost my father when I was four and a half years old to a drunk on drunk car crash. Mm. Um, when I was eight years old, a neighbor, male neighbor was inappropriate with me. Um, and really those two things really threw me for a loop. I, I felt like a loser because I didn't have a dad. I, I questioned my sexuality because of what happened to me. And, and, and really the, the clarity came to me. I'm not kidding you guys. Six weeks ago, I heard this woman share and she says, everybody survived the event. Yeah. You survived the event. You're vertical. But what you held on to was the perception. Right. Mm-hmm. I held on to the perception that I was a loser because I didn't have a dad or that I was gay because I got molested. Right. And I had to let go and I had to go do the work. I had to go do the work. And that work was 12 steps sponsor. It was um, breath work and sound bath and couples therapy and individual therapy. I tell you what, guys, and and I'll I'll shut up. And everybody asked me, Greg, how do you have 28 years of recovery? I remained willing to be willing. Yeah. Mm. You guys, if you guys give me a tool today, I'm I'm taking it. I'm going to walk it out there. I'm going to try it out and see if it works. Isn't it also true that the tr- the tools evolve as you go through life? There are tools that you used in years one and two and three and four of recovery that you don't use anymore. And now you've replaced them with different things, correct? One thousand percent. One thousand percent. The tools I, I used early on were, you know, the steps and meetings and, and you got to go and, 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 and show up. And, and today it's I go to sound bath on Sunday nights. I go to breath work on Tuesdays. Um, I, I, I have, um, I cherish my wife and my marriage. So we've been to couples counseling twice in our marriage to go do the work because we're evolving. And I want to say that, you know, in my darkest moments in, um, we, we got separated, uh, in 2013. And I remember we got in a fight in a parking lot and we had two small children and she just grabbed the kids, put them in the car quietly and drove to her friend's house in Beverly Hills. And I didn't see her for two weeks. Hmm. And then nine days later, she served me divorce papers. And here was my life unraveling as a sober man, a worker amongst workers, a good guy. You know, my marriage was going to be over. And I remember waking up the first morning after it was a Friday. And I thought to myself, and this is my stinking thinking. Well, 
That I marriage love is that over. expression, <laughs> by the way. I'm sorry, but I love that stinking thinking, man. That it's is thinking. great. Yeah. So the stinking thinking. So this is getting sober guy. First thought of the day. I'm going to go get some sleeves, some tattoo sleeves today so I can be young and hip so for my next girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that you cannot get sleeves in one day. Yeah, I know right. nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take, takes a few visits. Yeah. yeah, right? So so there's my diamete. So what happens is I go to a meeting instead. And, and all of a sudden I get some reprieve. The next day, Saturday, I wake up and I go, oh, I have this beautiful 24-year-old intern. She's going to be my next girlfriend. Okay. Guess what? I go to a meeting instead. The next day was Sunday. It happens to be Mother's Day. I call up my wife and I go, hey, what are we doing for Mother's Day? And guys, I know this is going to hurt you. She goes, it's called Mother's Day for a reason and you're not going to be part of it. And that's when I said, oh, I'm going to call the $500 an hour lawyer and I'm going to divorce her. But instead, I went to two meetings that day and I was able to raise my hand and share my pain. And what I've learned about sharing, including here on your show, is two things happen. When I share my pain, one of two things happens. I either cut my pain in half or I share my joy. I saw the way you two guys lit up when I said I'm a father of daughters, right? That's something we, we have in common. And I guess there's no other, there's no better gift that I've ever gotten than being in the delivery room. Yeah. yeah. Talk about a higher power coming down and just bam, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it is, I can't even, like, you, until you're a father, you can't explain it, but you guys know yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> totally know what you're talking about. I, I want to ask Chris something really quick, if you don't mind, because yeah. in, in, in weight loss recovery, you probably see this all the time, where folks have a couple of hits along the way, right? We call them dings, right? We get a couple mm-hmm. of dings along the way. Yours was losing your father early and then being molested. These are, these are traumatic events yes. that people often, because they, they don't really have the tools to, they can't learn, they can't ever set them down. And so they literally carry them with them for the rest of time. Right. Uh, and in your case, this is probably in pounds and food. In, 100%. Uh, in, yeah, right? Yes, absolutely. So, so what are you saying to people uh, these days that's different from what you might have been telling them f- 10, 15 years ago with regards to trauma? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, early on in my process, you know, I, trauma wasn't even a part of the conversation. I didn't focus on the emotional side of things until I really started digging in. And, and, and it was, it was actually the common denominator with nearly every single person I had worked with, especially, especially women. Um, in fact, some, some really fascinating research that's out there now is that they're saying 50, nearly 50% of women who are struggling with their weight, with obesity, have had some sort of sexual trauma in their really? history. Really? And so, yeah, so that was a, been a huge part of, of my approach. And so, you know, 100%, you know, in fact, you'll always see, like, so typically it will come from a history of some sort of sexual trauma, but then the, the problem becomes exacerbated once people turn to drugs, like Greg, you were saying, to, to numb that, that feeling. And, and to, to basically, I mean, obviously that's, you, you, instead of coping and dealing with those emotions and addressing them head on, then of course that's where the drugs and alcohol come in because that's where you're going to use to cope with it. And so you're continuously running away. However, though, it's not the trauma anymore that seems to exacerbate that. It's constantly, you know, it's the drugs and, and, and the alcohol, 
And then what will happen is that people say, okay, well, I'm just going to drink one more time and I'm never going to do it again. Mm. This is the last time I'm ever going to do cocaine or, or whatever it was that was your thing. Or this is the last time I'm ever, ever going to do this drug. I'm never going to do it again. And then they start making and breaking promises to themselves. Sure. And that's when we see them lose belief in themselves. So there's like, there's a root and the seed of trauma. And then it's what they used to cope with it. And it's, it's the struggle with the coping mechanism that I see. This is in my experience. I've seen people bury themselves because they can't get off that coping mechanism. And then in the process, they, they lose themselves in it. Greg, I got to ask you a question. You've written something called the, you created the recovery playbook. And I have to imagine some of what Chris is talking about shows up in some way, shape or form inside this playbook, right? 1000%. So, so what I try to do is I, I move everybody forward. I'm, I'm a forward thinker coach. I, I, I don't like to stay in the past except for one thing. We do an exercise called empty the backpack of shame. There it is. Mm. And I say, hey, listen, everything that you still have in your backpack, you got to put down. And that could be sexual trauma, financial yeah. trauma, divorce. It could be anything. Uh, eat, uh, eating disorder that, that you haven't let anybody know. And you write it down. And what we need to do is we need to uncover, discover, and discard. Mm. Uncover, discover, discard. Uncover, discover, discard. Because what I found is if you carry that backpack of shame around, like I did when I was four and eight years old into my college years, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. Yes. If we can back up just a little bit. Um, You mentioned and you you gave the date of your sobriety. Mm Mm-hmm. Was it that easy? Was it where you literally just went down the street, you sat down in your first meeting and was that it? Because I know in, in Matthew's experience, in my experience, and, and maybe that was, and if, if so, I mean, that's incredibly powerful. Um, but well, I, I know in, in my experience, I relapsed a couple times along the way. What was that journey like for you? Was it, you literally walked in there and it was like, okay, I'm done with this. Or because I know, I, I know especially for a lot of addicts, either whether it was a, a substance addiction or a food addiction, you can't quite imagine living life without it, you know? And so it's a terrifying thing to just, to, just, to, without these just, just yeah. to give it up. Yeah. If you don't mind, could you talk well, yeah. us through that a little I'm, bit? Chris, I'm glad you're, we're going back a little bit because it really is, um, you know, I'm a big believer in higher power or God or whatever you want to call it. Some, some force in nature. I, I always believe I go, look, we've been around here for a, a long time and, and uh, we haven't figured out how to stop tornadoes hurricanes, earthquakes, right? So, so there's some force much bigger than us. Um, so I go back to 11, seven, 1994. And, um, and really, if I can go back in that confessional, what happened for me was an incredible God shot. Um, I had been arrested 18 days later for 50 pounds of pot in a U.S. airport. Mm. The judge says to me, if I see you in my courtroom in the next six months, I'm going to give you the five years of prison hanging over your head. Wow. The night before, 11-6, I get busted um, uh, trying to sell cocaine to an undercover cop. Okay, so you, you were scared straight. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, blonde hair, blue-eyed, white boy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was scared straight. So, so I call my mom up from this jail cell, and all she does in her tears is says, Gregory? Because all parents call us by our full name. Gregory? Right. Sure. Yeah, especially, <laughs> especially when it's especially, serious. Especially when you're in trouble, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gregory, I want you to go to church. I want you to go to church. I go, okay. I bail myself out. I, I lick my wounds. Um, I, I go to a six o'clock mass and the priest says, after mass, we're going to have a confession. And, and my thought was, if I go to confession, I can go out tonight. Ah, so okay. Yeah. Now we're so getting I was into still, it. I like this. I was yeah. still 
ready to go. Mm-hmm. You see, because I was still able to, I always tell when someone gives you a bit of advice, listen to it in their voice because your voice is broken. Mm-hmm. So I end up going to this confession and I walk in and real short, the guy says, tell me your sins. I said, father, when I drink a lot, I go into bars and I hurt people. Mm-hmm. When, when I smoke a lot of pot, I show up on Christmas on December 27th. When I do a lot of cocaine, I date three women at the same time. And when I do all four of those, I fly large amounts of marijuana to the East Coast. Oh, boy. And the priest looks at me and he goes, son, do you think you have a problem with drugs and alcohol? And I say, uh, no. And then he gives me that look that all of our mentors, our leaders, our teachers, give, like, you better wise up and give it to me straight. And I said, you know what, Father? You're the second man in my life to ever ask me that question. He goes, who was the first? I said, my stepfather, who was a World War II vet, was there on Omaha Beach. Great, great stepfather. He goes, what was your stepfather's name? I said, Walt Janicki. He grabs my hand, this priest, holds it tightly, looks me in the eye and goes, I was Walt Janicki's first sponsor. Wow. That's, so this is divine intervention here. I, I mean, was, there's no other word for it. That's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so guys, so Matthew, I'm so glad we went back there because really it was a combination of scared straight. And I just, to be honest with you, I just didn't want to piss off God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I want to say something really quick because, you know, a lot of people these days can get really caught up. As soon as you start talking about religion or anything else, they, they, they like, they're so polarized, they just switch off. But I, I, I would, I, I want to talk to those people specifically right now. And I want to say to you this, stop thinking about confessional is Catholic and religion. What he did was he emptied the vessel. What he did was he talked to somebody about his pain. What he did was he finally admitted that there was a problem. That doesn't have to be a priest. Okay. That can be a friend. That can be a therapist. That can be so many different people. But I hope what you're taking out of this conversation is that Greg made a choice to unload. That's what happened here. I can speak to this wholeheartedly when I'm taking someone through the journey of transformation and we're talking 100, 200, 300 pounds at once a week, we actually go through a process called confess, reassess and recommit. And the very first thing that anybody does. And I remember I'm, I'm dealing with folks who are addicted, who have a food addiction, but this is what they do because the thing is no one does it perfectly. Right. So once a week, everyone comes together and we confess with no doubt, it, that is the hardest part of transformation. Of I, I tell them all, I was like, you think that the diet's going to be hard? You think the exercise is going to be hard? Wait till you reach the point where you mess up and you need to confess in front of, in front of all of us or just, or just to me, your super friend, but just to confess, to unload it because that's where you carry the shame. That's where the shame comes and the confession releases that shame because all we want to know is that even if I mess up, am I still lovable? And that's why you ha- there has to be another, in, another human involved. Then, and you know what we always say? The moment someone confesses, there's only two words that can come out of our mouth. It, as any, in any good coach should do this. Those two words are thank you because that's sometimes, sometimes me too. Yeah, that, that, right. absolutely. I mean, Just to help them feel less alone, right? So they know they're not the only person because I can guarantee that when Greg was going through this situation, he felt like you, he was on an island. He felt yes. like he was isolated. He felt like he was the only one going through this situation. Yeah. Well, and, and I really was, to be honest with you, at, at 25 years old in the mid-90s, there was no young people getting sober. 
Right. Right. And you got to remember my high school friends were maniacs. My, my college friends were maniacs. And so I had to let go of a lot of friends. Yes. Say that again. I had to let go of a lot of people. Yes. There, there are so many common, there's all these overlapping themes between all of our worlds here and that's it. That's exactly what they, and, and it happens. And sometimes those friends are good people. But you, they are, for but, sure. But you need to separate yourselves from them because of it, it, it can pull you down. A lot of times if, if they're not willing to change. And Chris, Matthew, I don't know if you had this occurrence, but like what happened for me was I, get, I got five years sobriety and then I get a call from someone I went to high school with. Hey, I'm struggling. Can you help me? And you end up being a beacon for them, their wife, their husband, their kid. And all of a sudden the, the ball's rolling because guess what? I don't care what addiction you have. Addiction is in every American family in this country. Yes. It, 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 it is. And so if you, if the three of us can be beacons to make it, hey, we do wear it on our sleeve. We are out there, as you, as you guys said in, in, in your opening, in terms of, of, of saying, hey, I, I will listen to you. I, you. You will get an answered text. I will return your phone call. Um, and if I don't have the answer, here's why, another coach. If I don't have the answer, especially like diet, nutrition, I'm calling Chris. Right. He's the expert. Right. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the point guard. I'm dishing off to someone who's at that high level because I, I, would do, I would do injustice if I got on a topic I don't know just out of ego. Sure. And that's another thing I've learned. And what I want to say, guys, and I know where you guys are in your recovery, but in the last 10 years, I've really discovered emotional sobriety. Mm. What, what, what is that? Okay. So emotional sobriety, guys, is that really, um, so I put the drink down. I put the cocaine down. I put the pot down, right? And I got sober. But then throughout trials and tribulations, I, I, I lost my mother to Alzheimer's. Mm. I lost my sister to suicide. Mm. Um, I got my ass kicked in 2008 and I got to a Y in the road and I took, I made a choice, but first of all, I went to my board of directors and these are men and women who I trust, who have long-term sobriety, long-term success, long-term marriages. And I said, Hey, give me some wisdom before I, before I make a decision. Mm. And emotional sobriety is that I use the tools that I've learned from guys like you and from therapists and other coaches to not make the same mistakes that I made, I would have made drinking or using. Got it. So less anger, yeah. less yeah. pride, mm. less envy, mm. less greed. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I really feel like, I feel like I've just met you guys 20 minutes ago, but I feel we are a, we, our, us program. Yes. Absolutely. Like if you guys are successful, I'm successful. Yes. Um, and so emotional sobriety, I want to say, I really owe it to my daughters. I, 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 my relationship with women 25 years ago is far different than it is now. And I really have to, I, I just love these girls so much. It's such unconditional love. Um, I, I know that for me, I have an old saying, I've had good bosses and I've had bad bosses. Sure. And I've learned more from bad bosses because I learned what not to do. Amen. <laughs> the same yeah, thing is with parenting. The mm -hmm. same thing is with parenting. Here's my great wall of China. Here's my experience being raised. I'm only going to take the good over here and my kids are going to be walled off from that childhood trauma, drama, pain, or shame. Yeah. My single job as a father is to be present and to keep my daughter's trauma, drama, shame, and pain somewhere between a zero and two. Mm, I like that. Because mine was somewhere around an eight, nine, and 10. Sure. And if I can do that up until they're 18, they're going to be golden. Boy.
But Greg's sure. life is a metaphor for so many people, right? Yes. How many people have had experiences and not maybe gone to jail eight times, but in your mind, trust me, you're locked in fricking San Quentin mm. and <laughs> you, you can't get out of there, right? Yeah. And you just kind of keep, see, you seem to keep going back to the same thing time and time and time again. And eventually there's going to be, like there is for everybody. There's some sequence of words or somebody says something to you and finally, you're ready to listen for me Greg the phrase was there is nothing wrong with you you are not broken you just need to step into your life's purpose when I heard that the entire game changed for me because while you're going through hardship you feel destroyed yes destroyed you feel like the worst human being on the planet you feel like there's never going to be a day where you get it back together it feels impossible to recover yeah but yeah. what most of us fail to do is to reach out to somebody like Greg, who is a recovery coach, and say, I don't have the tools to do this. Can you please help me? And he yeah. will, because he's got a whole playbook that he's written on the thing, that's, right? That's the Based on it. personal experience. Our, our tagline at Startup Recovery, which is where it's my transitional housing for, for people with addiction, alcoholism, or, or some mental health issues going on, is shifting addiction to passion. Yeah, that's it. And man. you brought up Matthew. You brought up purpose and passion, and purpose are right there. They're, they are the pillars of of what I try to do. And and what I really try to do, and this could be for someone who's twenty or fifty. The first question I ask when I coach them, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Mm. I'm a fifty year old man. I'm a CEO. You <laughs> wouldn't be on my couch if you were if you were if you were if you were grown up. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, I There's like that. There's still some growth available to you. Yeah. Absolutely. So this let's let's wrap up this conversation with those two words, the P and the P, the purpose and the, uh, what was the other the, one? The passion. The passion, the yeah. purpose and the passion. So how can folks from your vantage point, Greg, find their purpose, find their passion? What are some tools and tips that you might give folks? I think it's really three things. One, they have to uh, quiet the naysayers. Okay. Um, and the naysayers may be um, a parent who's like, we own a law firm. You need to be a lawyer. No, you need to do what you want to do. And so really circle what you want to do, what makes you feel good. Um, I know my first career, I was in uh, commercial production. I was always on set doing commercials and I felt at home on, on set, you, you know, and, and you just feel at home when you're doing the right thing. Right. Number two is to do, I do a thing called the 10 intentions. Okay. I write down 10 things that I intend to do in the year. And here's the miracle of it. I'll get four done. I'll move six over to next year and add four. Mm. Then I'll get five done, move those five over and add five. And what ends up happening, Matthew and Chris, is this. Within four to five years, I have the original 10 done because they're not resolutions. They're not goals. I intend to get these done. And guess what? The universe is listening. Mm. Last but not least, I, I turn shifting addiction into passion to an actual exercise. And what I do is what I did when I was a young 20 something in Hollywood, my friends would go out on Thursday nights. And I would say, I would stay in and I would write and work on my scripts from eight to midnight. Then on Saturday mornings, when they were hung over, I'd go in at 8 a.m. and go into the office and print those out and get them ready so they can go in the Monday mail. Mm. If you guys do anything for eight hours times 52 weeks, you're going to have something. Yeah, absolutely. And that time doesn't come off your calendar. That's I call it Project Me. Project Me. Work on what Project Me is, whether it's going back to school and getting an MBA, a PhD, whether you're writing a book, you know, easiest way to write a book, write one page a day. Absolutely. Yes. So there's those three, three things that I would say, purpose and passion. Um, and really, I'll end with this, guys. My last name is Champion. 
And, and what a great name, right? Absolutely. Except if you wake up and you have, you feel shitty about yourself and you have to live up to it. So that's mm-hmm. why I drank a lot and used a lot because it was too much. And then about six, seven years ago, it came to me. I discovered my it factor. I went to Webster's dictionary. I looked up champion. It says victor, first place, winner. But the second definition, someone who mentors or champions a cause. That's you. Yes, sir. Greg, we can't thank you enough for jumping on our I Needed That podcast today. And I hope my, and I know Chris does too. We just hope that somebody is listening and today is going to be the first day of their recovery. And I I hope, especially going back and talking about that confession and the power that 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 actually had, that was a turning point in your life is actually a turning point in all of our lives. Yeah. Um, Just the, the power in that. So anyone who is paying attention, anyone who's listening right now, some really powerful words were spoken today. Amen to that, man. We yeah. will connect everybody to okay, Greg in our show notes. Thoughts. You guys get it. You guys get it. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. Well, like, like I said, we'll connect everybody. We'll connect you to our audience in our show notes. And Greg Champion, thank you for coming on, man, and, and helping us understand that a little bit more. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Greg. Very grateful. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Greg Champion. As promised, we want to dive into a tooth fairy discussion to to end uh, today's podcast. What is this brilliant idea that your tooth fairy has done? Well, let's talk about it before we get to that. How much money did the tooth fairy pay you when you were a kid? Do you remember collection? Do you remember the collection? Yeah, we, we got quarters. Quarters. Yeah. Do you remember if it was a molar getting a 50 cent piece? My memory doesn't serve me that well, but really, yeah. But we used to get a fifty cent piece if it was a molar, wow, and a silver dollar if it was like a real deal tool. That's 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 huge then, yeah, yeah. Especially just the uniqueness of the silver dollar. Well, and when we were on our Facebook Live, we were asking a lot of our friends who were on the live with us, tell us about what you were getting paid, and that seemed to be the going rate when all of us were kids. Yes, it was coins. It wasn't bills. (laughs) No, but now it's all bills. Well, it's stupid inflation. It kind of it's biting us all right now. But yes, it's all bills. So we it's had crazy. a few people say that they give five dollars for each tooth, but they did ten dollars on the first one. Mm. That seemed high or low to you? Uh, ten seems high. However, my tooth fairy is totally guilty of doing that. Yeah, it's how um, it works. <clears throat> yes, exactly. However, um, over the years. Uh, the tooth fairies actually kind of scaled it back to fives, <laughs> to, to fives and twos. <laughs> Times are tough for the tooth fairy association. <laughs> how, how about your tooth fairy? Um, you know, we had a very unique presentation. As I mentioned, we wrote to the National Tooth Fairy Association for Fairies, but you can look them up online. It's a real organization. Um, <laughs> and we said, we have an idea. How about the tooth fairy goes and gets a foreign coin from some other country in the world and leaves that as the gift. And sure enough, the National Tooth Fairy Association for Fairies, which is a real organization you can look up, loved the idea and adopted it wholeheartedly for our family. That's brilliant. So every time our children lost a tooth, they got a coin from a different country in the world, which would then lead us to go like, look at a globe, look online, find out where these things were, find out how much it was worth. Like there was a whole thing that happened as a result of the foreign coin being left underneath the pillow. That is so cool. I know. 
And and so you, I, I guess I'm sure that's probably where the tooth fairy was last or something. Like that's that. how we always approached it. Yeah. It's like, wow, where did they come from this time? Yeah. And it was so fun for our kids to be like, Dad, the tooth fairy came from Canada, or Dad, the tooth fairy came from London, wow, or something like that's that. Right. Cool. Now, d- does the tooth fairy match exchange rates? <laughs> you know, uh, we didn't get that far down the down the rabbit hole with them. They just left the coin, and then I'm sure they had to get on to the next house. Right. Right, 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 of course. But it is a fun tip, and 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 if your tooth fairy wants to steal that idea, I think it's I think you should. I think yes. In fact, Why I'm going to pass that note to to our tooth fairy, and so because I think that's a brilliant idea. Okay, and talk about opening up the conversation about geography and going around the world and different different. Yeah, just talking about and, money, talking yeah. about currency, right? Like you just said, exchange rates. Yeah, it's all kind of a cool learning opportunity for them. That's really cool. I love that idea. Come on, man. Yes, let's every go. now and again, I'm going to have some wins for people. Yes, like every week, you've got a win for people. Oh. I'm like one for three. And yeah. so it's good for me to come to the table <laughs> no. with some victories every no. now and again too, man. No, we, we get after it, buddy. Toe to toe. I love I, it, man. That's awesome. What a great episode. I needed that for sure. Oh, man. I did too. What what an incredible story with Greg also. I mean, Isn't that unbelievable? Oh, man. That guy's been through a lot. But he's here and he's yeah. thriving and he's doing so well. And I think if there's anything to take from that, it's like you can be faced with an obstacle. You can confront it head on. And you can actually come out the other side, the person you want to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And it, it all comes down to that, that moment of clarity, that moment you say, look, I've had enough. Yeah. Yeah. The pain of remaining the same is going to be greater than the pain of change. So I will change now. Mm. And look at him now. It's really cool. Next week on our I Need of That podcast, we are going live we are going to be in the town of buckeye we've got a special award to give these guys and we've decided to record our next episode in front of a live studio audience and i think it is going to be a blast oh man i can't wait this is gonna be a lot of fun it'll be a huge celebration out there okay cool see everybody next time on the i needed that podcast have a great day 